Coach Corey Van Wyk with me. Corey, welcome, brother. Thanks, man. It's uh, it's good to be on, and uh, I just I'm honored that you asked me to be here. Oh, of course, dude. No, you're uh, you're you're you know when I first got into the field, you know your name popped up when I was at Nebraska from uh, my uh, our buddy John John Fife. Reach, uh, shout oh, out yeah. to John Pfeiffer, <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, and obviously I've I've watched and heard you speak at uh, the sport movement conferences that Sean Miska puts out um, up in Minnesota, and uh, been following you ever since. And you know, you you know, you know what you're doing. So uh, can you got you know, I really appreciate that. Uh, can you, Corey, for the listeners and everything, can you just give a quick detail about who you are, what you do, where you're at, all that fun stuff? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, currently I'm at Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa, and um, I have a dual academic and coaching role. So on the academic side, I'm a professor of practice of kinesiology. Um, and if you've never heard of that, uh, what that means is I it's a professor track, but instead of doing research, I a uh, requirement of that role is that I do practice. And so if you're in kinesiology, uh you have to be doing something in the field. And uh, my practice portion of that is actually serving as one of the strength and conditioning coaches for our athletes. Um, so I am the strength coach for football, wrestling, uh, men's and women's soccer, cheer, and dance. Uh, so that is the, yeah, that, that's the coaching role. Academically, I teach a lot of different classes. It usually is about four, three to four per semester, but I teach anything from um, anatomy to nutrition to personal training. Um, we have a strength and conditioning career concentration here, which is basically a major. And I teach some courses in that. I also just, you know, teach some general health courses and uh, soon to start a couple new ones uh, being motor learning. So yeah, it's a, it's an interesting mix. Um, I guess previously to that, I got a, I got a really lucky start uh, undergrad at Central College. We had developed a strength and conditioning major by the time I had graduated there. So I actually got my start coaching on the floor with athletes as a sophomore. Um, and they had a whole, you know, our, our head strength coach developed a kind of outside of the classroom curriculum that got me into like more of the applied practice side, not just the classroom side. So I had a good mix of, actually on the floor coaching with athletes get, get the kind of hard science in the classroom, but get the coaching science with the additional stuff that we had to do. Uh, and then graduate school, I actually went the sports nutrition route at the uh, university of Nebraska, as you mentioned, and did sports nutrition, worked on as an intern on the sports nutrition staff there for a year. And then kind of got my feet wet academically as a, my grad assistant was actually for the uh, the nutrition department as a teaching assistant. Um, oh, nice. So that's kind of where I got my my feet wet. Yeah. So I would intern with with uh, Josh Hanks, who was our head nutritionist at the at the time, uh, as well as Lindsey Remmers, and uh, got my kind of uh, nutrition experience on the team side there, teaching experience for the for the nutrition department, uh, and then after that, I actually spent a little short stint in research at Iowa State University as a nutrition research assistant where I got about a year and a half of like really pretty dense lab experience. Um, and then through that process was a personal trainer at that same time as well, kind of on the side and then, uh, got the job here at Northwestern. And I'm in my sixth year. That's awesome. 
you know, what's I think what's most yeah. interesting about that, you know, about your whole story is how you you know how young you got into the coaching field. How yeah. how much how much of a you know how much of a you know impact did that have you know has that had on your on your coaching career? I mean, it's had a huge impact. I like by the time I was a junior in college, you know, you know, you prove yourself, you, you show that you um, are interested, you show that you're capable. By the time I was a junior, our head coach was giving me groups of athletes to train completely on my own. You know, like one of the teams I worked with was softball and I'll never forget the day, like 10 minutes before training, (laughs) our strength coach walks up to me hands me the freshman softball player cards and is like, all right, you're taking, taking them. You know, it's on you if they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> right. You know, and, um, and, and, so, yeah, and, and yeah. And the reason why I, I asked that is cause that's how it was for me too. That's why I find it so interesting. Like when I was, you know, I was, a, you know, I had been in college, you know, I had, you know, done, you know, bounced back to majors but I was technically a sophomore in college when I first started as well like when I went down to Florida Atlantic University even before Nebraska and it was so great because I was like you know I'm graduating college with my undergraduate degree and what I want and I know and I had you know just like you two to three four almost four years of experience Mm -hmm. you know with dealing with athletes and being on the floor and I knew what I wanted to do whereas you know, most people in the profession, they don't do their first internship till after they graduate and then they do it for yeah. a, sem- a semester or for a summer and then expect to go get a full-time job or even a graduate assistant position. And that's just not, it's just not going to yeah, cut absolutely. the case. And so it's, you know, that's why, I, you know, that's why I find it so interesting. You know, I felt like it allowed me to feel a lot more comfortable, quote unquote, leaving strength and conditioning to do nutrition. Definitely. So I'm like, you know, I've had three really solid years of actual on the floor experience. Because by the time you're a senior too, you get your own team. Like that's how it was. It was constructed. You get two to three years of the training, and then your senior year, for at least the entire semester, you are this trained coach for one of the teams. And right. I think that allowed me to feel a lot better about, or uh, just be more confident in my abilities to to continue in strength conditioning if I wanted to still do that. But I'm like, well, let's maybe try the nutrition route because it's a huge interest of mine. Um, and that way I've got competencies in both things once I'm done with my master's. And that, and that actually, honestly, it's one of the main reasons I got the job here at Northwestern. They needed oh, someone really? to teach nutrition. They needed somebody uh, who was a strength and conditioning coach and I just so happened to basically fit that bill almost perfectly. Yeah, and especially at so that smaller without that experience. Oh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, oh no, no, sorry. I was just gonna add in, and I mean that makes sense. I mean, especially being at a younger college. For those of you who don't know, I mean, you have to, you know, wear. I'm sure you know you have to wear different hats. You know, just from a budget standpoint. You know, I mean, from a you know. Oh yeah. You know, just mm-hmm. it's not like a Division One school like Nebraska where they have a big budget and they can have, you know, so many different assistants and different departments and stuff. I mean, like you, you have a lot on your plate. Yeah, that is definitely a small school challenge. Um, nobody here has one hat. I mean, right. uh, just, just evidenced by, by my role. And like, there's a lot that goes in this role that I just, you know, that I wish, I mean, I, I guess I still have taken it, but 
there's things you learn as you get in it that kind of go in, go uh, with the teaching and truly academic side that I just didn't foresee. Um, or maybe I thought I knew, but I didn't really realize until I got really into it. So such as like um, how you're evaluated and going through that whole process or uh, advising students. And that's not a huge one for me, but it's something. Uh, or the, the committee work that you have to do if you are uh, above like just an adjunct instructor or instructor level. Like there's these additional things that go with being a faculty or a professor that um, they go beyond just like the teaching of the classes and the disseminating of the information. Right. And uh, I mean, I'm thankful for some of those things, uh, but uh, it's just not something that I really thought about or knew when, yeah, I, could, I think I would like to teach. So, yeah, I don't know if you want to expand on any of that, but, yeah, that's just kind of, I would just say, um, going all the way back to, like, my sophomore year, that set me up so well for probably being somewhere I didn't know if I ever Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. You you broke out. Are you there, Corey? Oh. <laughs> okay. What was what was the last thing you heard? Um. Uh, when you said expand on expand on that. Sorry. That's okay. Um. Yeah. Did you want me to? Yeah, sort, please. Uh, go please. on in any of that, but yeah. I was just saying that. Um. <clears throat> going all the way back to my sophomore year of getting that early, early experience and just honestly just being thrown to the fire. Exactly. And it was partly, uh, you know, the, the mindset of who I was with, but it's probably just by necessity. Like, as you mentioned, small schools, you just kind of work with what you got. And mm -hmm. if you happen to have somebody that wants to help, you just use them. You, you just try to use them as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Whereas a bigger school like Nebraska, it's just like this constant stream of interns and you can, you can plan every single year or semester. I'm going to have X, Y, Z amount of interns. And here it's, yeah. it's just at the low, a small school. It's not like that. Um, right. So I was literally thrust into it day one, uh, coaching things up and, and not really exactly knowing what I was doing, but um, I was hungry and I, I wanted to learn and I did. And I think it just, it just ended up paying off massively down the road. Yeah, it, uh, I agree with you 100%. And I feel like that's one thing that's kind of lacking in our field is there's not enough young coaches being thrown in the fire. But then again, I, on the flip side, you know, it takes, you know, the experienced coach to to trust, you know, to, to trust the the intern or interns and able to do that because obviously they don't want to just throw some random person, you know, into a, you know, to run a team setting. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, and I, and I I was very much the exception from the standpoint that I really knew early on what I wanted to do, mm -hmm. and that is just not the case for most 18, 19-year-olds, and that's fine. It's not. I yeah. think the more maybe graduated approach of, okay, sophomore year, how I mean, this is how we have it a little bit more constructed at Northwestern, you take that sophomore year class, the entry-level class in strength and conditioning, it's really kind of finding out, hey, do you want to end up doing this? Like, do you want to do this for a career? Right. And that's, I think, somewhat the benefit, whereas, like, I knew very, like, basically leaving high school that I wanted to get into strength and conditioning officially. Like, this is what I want to do as my job. 
And yeah, most most high school students or, or freshman year, sophomore year college kids just don't know, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where maybe I would I am a little bit more okay with the graduated approach. Not that they don't get thrown in the fire a little bit because they are on the floor with us immediately. Like as soon as you like a part of these classes that they take, we embed the floor time in the class. Like you cannot pass this class without being on the floor with us. That's um, awesome. And uh, yeah, so it was kind of a combo of like the times. I think uh, he, the our head coach, knew they had someone that wanted to do this officially, and maybe that was why he was a little bit more okay with, in addition to just <laughs> help, right. throwing me to the fire. So, so I, it's it's uh, I'm extremely thankful for that experience, no doubt. That's awesome. So. I kind of want to get into um, your, I know you're really big into the movement stuff. So for those of you who don't know, I've actually worked with a couple of Corey's athletes who have, uh, you know, for on the football program, um, you know, incoming, or one was an incoming freshman and one had been with you for a year or two. And, uh, yep. you know, what I, what I love about that so much is, you know, you and I, you know, like, you know, obviously we're busy, but we try to communicate or we, we trust each other's programming and experience and knowledge enough to know that, you know, obviously like if they come to me in the summer on the private side of things, you know, we're going to do things that are almost similar to what you're going to be doing with them if they were to stay with you. Um, now the now mm-hmm. going into detail with that, how can other coaches with, in, from, from, a, from college and private, how can they be more apt into doing that? Me, I feel like it's kind of an ego thing. I'm like, you know, I've had, I've reached out to college coaches and they've been like, well, they need to do this program and this program only like, you know, and again, they, they didn't know who I mm. was, you know, but I've also had coaches who have been like, I don't really care what they do as long as they do something, you know? Mm. Uh, so I guess you yeah. might, you know, so I, I kind of want you to see if you can expand on what your thoughts on all that. Yeah. Um, here, here's my, my mindset with something like this. Um, I'm going to bias towards an an athlete doing a program and uh, if it can be watched and directed by an in-person coach face-to-face. Like, I, w- I would never think that my program is so superior that I would rather have them doing, like, my, my stuff only without the direct and, and doing that elsewhere as opposed to being – watched by a, a, a coach that I trust. And even if it's a different program, like it's not uh, the exact, like, hey, my athlete's doing my program while all your other athletes in that same group are doing your program. Uh, as we know, like programs that I would send home with people and college coaches, I mean, I think we all know this fairly well, like what we send home for Christmas and summers, you know, they're, they're just limited. We have, like, when I write Definitely. these programs, I'm thinking – if my student or my athlete walked into Planet Fitness, can they do it? Because that's literally what, what some of them do. I mean, I, I've had right. people who lift in their garages. I have students who um, don't have weight rooms or anything like official, or they, maybe they're just like at the mercy of, yeah, like the Planet Fitness. So I know that you're going to be able to provide overall a better product, even if it's simply you watch them and they're under your direction and 
and your eye and you can make adjustments as needed when at the end of the day, Grayson, and, and my, my mind says most of 90% of our program is probably going to be very similar. Like, I don't know how differently, uh, especially in the weight room side, things are going to be like, you're still going to push, pull upper body, lower body. You're still going to do power movements, meaning, you know, you're going to surf the curve, force velocity curve. Um, as like, if those things are met, I don't know if I'm going to get too, uh, too picky on if they do my exact program, um, especially if they're going to be under the direction of a coach who can actually watch them, see them, and coach them up and make adjustments if needed. Definitely. So I don't want to like, it's, I'm not trying to devalue what I've written to them, but I try to, like right now I have an athlete, a football player, who is going to do Chicago semester. And my first thought is, hey, I wonder if I know anybody in the Chicago area. <laughs> Can I get them in with that person? And you know what? When that kid comes back, I'm going to be like, hey, what was your training like? How, what are the things that you did? And, of course, this is in, in addition to the communication with that coach, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know their perspective. Hey, what did you do that you felt like really helped you a lot? And maybe that will make my programming better. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's, uh, <laughs> again, I'm I not trying that. to devalue what I do, but no, I want to love that. other people who honestly grace in like I, the private setting in particular, and in some cases, not all cases, um, you can be a little bit more individualized. The groups tend, tend to be a little bit smaller. Again, I know not always the case mm-hmm. and yeah. I want to know that feedback. So that's my mindset. Yeah. And, you know, I love that because I'm the exact same way. And I'll, you know, from a, from the private side of things, the beauty about being on the private side of things is I've been at the collegiate setting. I've been at the professional setting. And so Mm -hmm. I know what the other side of the coin is like, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, with different athletes. And, you know, I wish there was more private side guys who would do what I do and reach out. Because when I have an athlete mm-hmm. who I know is going to go play college somewhere and I'm only going to be with them for six to 12 months, I know that my number one, unless they're going, unless they're in season or whatever, uh, I know that my number one job is to prepare them so that way the first day they walk through uh, your doors, they're ready to rock and yeah. roll. You know, plain and yeah, simple. Absolutely. You know, cause, yeah. And that's what's nice about being at the you know, with being at the collegiate side and professional side, and I tell this to, you know, people who walk through our doors, I'm like, well, I've seen first round draft, or I've, I've seen, I've seen, you know, new draftees come in. I've seen new freshmen come in and they look like a deer in the headlights. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like you know, yeah. and so let's say you have a, you know, let's say you have a, um, let's say you have a volleyball player walking in and, you know, there are, you know they're in, into your into your uh, college program, and they're you know a big prospect. They might even get some playing time, but they've never even seen a weight room or done any movement stuff. And I'm like, and then I'm like, well, shit, like, you know, <laughs> what have you know, like, what have we done to really set that athlete up to be successful at the next level? Because that's what they really mm-hmm. care about most. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of the approach I take it, you know, and you know, I've I've, I've seen a lot of success with it, you know, and. You know, again, you, yeah. know, you know, yeah, I mean, you can expand more on that. But again, it's just, you know, and I guess I, I'm, I'm the same thing. I'm not trying to devalue my programs either, but I'm just, 
I know that my number one job is to prepare the athletes for the next level, whether it's high school to college or middle school to high school or college to professional for that level. So plain and simple. Yeah, no doubt. And I guess I'm not sure, you know, maybe it's a product of the fact that I am at a smaller school. So um, there's a different dynamic there maybe between bigger schools and like some, I know some sport coaches in particular, like, don't want their athletes doing other programs because they don't necessarily have this underlying understanding that most things are going to be more similar than they are different. Well, why don't they do in your program? You know, that's, that's kind of the approach that I know some coaches get. So maybe they have, maybe they have to be that way because they're getting pressure from other people, whether that be sport coaches or administrators being like, no, they have to do your program because you are our strength coach. And so this is our territory. They shouldn't be doing other people's stuff. I don't know. There could be some of that going on too. Yeah. I don't know. Is that something you've experienced at all? Um, I, you know, to be honest with you, I can't say I have, you know, everyone's been very receptive about it, you know, but then again, maybe it's mm, how good. I approach it. You know, I can't necessarily, you know, I can't, you know, I can't speak for everybody in their situations, but, um, you know, cause I've had athletes go to some big time D one schools and, you know, I'll reach out to the strength coach or I've had even their strength coaches reach out to me or even the, I've I've even had sport coaches reach out to me like the the head coaches be like, hey, you're working with our athlete. would love to get to kind of know you what you're like, what you plan to do with them, stuff like that, you know, um, which to me that that tells me that that athlete chose that school and that's going to be a really good fit for them because they actually care mm-hmm. about the athlete. Yeah, um, you know, yeah, no doubt. I, I, I do have coaches in schools who don't reach out to me at all and, you know, or I try to reach out to them and uh, they don't reach back. And, you know, again, you know, it's specific to every situation, but I feel like us as a profession, we need to we need to all come together more so to, you know, really bring value to these athletes and set them up for success. No doubt. And uh you know, if you do that, you're probably gonna learn something in the process from somebody. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so you know, that was my of... next. That, that was my. That was my. That was my next point. You know, that's a. I mean, that's a really good point. Is, you know, if I see a coach's program and I see an exercise I've never seen before, and I'm like, well, what is that? And why does that help that? And, you know, that's me. You know, trying to get some continuing education about it. I'm like, oh, that seems like a really good exercise. I'm gonna implement that yeah. exercise into my programs. Or yeah. seeing how other programs are set up, you know, different warm-ups, different cool-downs, different structures, all that fun stuff. So, yeah, you know, that's a really good point to mention. Um, now, on the other side, the, or on, the, on the other side, what about the, not just private side, or not private coaches by myself, but let's say you have like a strength coach for a high school or somebody who runs the strength and conditioning slash health at a high school. Have you had an experience with that as well? Uh, in what regard? Like in, in us communicating? Yeah, yeah, sorry. And, yeah, and you guys communicating because they know, like let's say they have an athlete who is going to come to you and they know that they're coming to you and they know that they're running their program. Yep. Have you know? Have you mm-hmm. had that? Have you dealt with that in the past before? Or? Not a ton, man, because... Uh, a lot of the kids that come come to Northwestern don't have high school strength coaches. Right. Um, we we do actually uh, myself and other strength coach Kyle Oxner. We we actually 
have done, had communication with some of the local high schools and just like they want our opinion and our help. But um, at the end of the day, anybody in, in most of the schools that feed Northwestern, all of those guys are either the head football coach or they've, they've got full-time teaching responsibilities. It's almost like it, exactly like we were talking about earlier with the uh, small school situation, but a lot of them have nobody. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, that hasn't been a ton. So like uh, that kind of hits at some of the, the interesting um, like how to train college versus high school or, or should I be doing anything different? Like a lot of my, athletes come in and they're have zero to less than a year of training age right um actual training so yeah for sure like actual structured um progressive training it's pretty low and that's the reason Uh, why they're from a place like where you're at in in omaha you know yeah and the reason why i say actual is because if just because you do high school weights or you live with your football team for four years that doesn't mean you have a four years of training, you know, of, of training experience. You're probably yeah, exactly. in there yeah. messing around or not actually doing a good structured program for a consistent year. So that's that. that that's why I, I I made that point. So yeah, and, and and almost everyone that comes in is is a probably like two to three to maybe even four sport athlete too. Mm-hmm. So it's not really anyone's fault per se. That you know, some of them don't have anybody, but even if they did, like. A lot, of, a lot of kids that come to a school like Northwestern and, and most NAIA or Division three schools, they're playing sports almost year-round, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which is good. Like, I like it. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine mm-hmm. if they come in, honestly, with, no, with, a, with a low training age or with um, not a ton of weight room experience. Um, but that has also, yeah, it means I haven't done a ton of coordinating and communicating with a ton of high school coaches. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, you know, and uh, as I'm sitting here thinking about thinking about something while we're talking is, you know, I want to kind of get into the movement stuff a little bit because I know you're really big into the movement stuff. And, oh, sure. Uh, and uh, I know that and that's what's and that's what's great. And that's just kind of bring all this full circle is, guys, I knew the type of spe- uh, specific speed and agility training, I guess, if that's what if that's what you want to call it. I knew the type of speed and agility training that you do with your football athletes, and so when I worked with a couple of football kids that you know, you know, that were on their team, I, I was like, well, I want to make sure I do not the same, but things that are similar, so that way when they came to you, they have an idea. Because for those of you who don't know, and we'll, obviously we'll get into it, it's a pretty complex system, and when kids first, you know, mm. um, when, when kids first start it, they're really confused. They're like, okay, well, are we just playing a tag? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, essentially we are, but there's a lot more to it. And, you know, uh, you know, again, it's, I, I, I knew that going forward. And so that's why I, I, I want, again, that's me trying to put them in a position to be successful when they get to you versus just, okay, we're going to do things that I think are, that can increase speed and agility for you right now. It's, you know, well, it's, it's thinking, at the end of the day, it's thinking more long term for the athlete versus the short term gains. Yeah, yeah, and like to kind of, I mean, I would say we approach agility in particular a little bit differently than a lot of programs. And there's a there's many factors to that. 
but to kind of speak to what you're you're talking about as far as the complexity of it all and like are we just playing tag um like a lot of my philosophy regarding that area stemmed from kind of digging into our published literature on this area and where it started was change of direction and agility and like are they the same are they different does one lead to improvements in the other so a change of direction being like a closed what we'd call a closed drill like a like a pro agility or 5105 where you know where you have to stop and turn and you know when it starts and when it ends right and there's no decision to be made versus um another another drill or activity you do where you don't know maybe what you're going to have to do next or you don't know where you're going to have to make that change of direction. Right. And just, just even like early, early on getting into it, it was, I just kept seeing this theme in, in the literature that they might be different qualities, meaning they might be a different quality. If you can do um, like the goal, like kind of the, the main standard or test used to measure uh, agility is the like the reactive agility test where basically it's a Y like if you can imagine a like three cone set up as a Y I start at the bottom of the Y and then run to the where the there would be a divide and someone's just kind of pointing or giving me an indication of which direction I need to run right or left and even in simple tests like that versus a pro agility like correlationally if you're good at a pro agility doesn't mean you're good at the why the reactive agility test and there's the correlations are very very weak to non-existent and so that was just really really interesting to me all right okay these seem to be different qualities and different skills so how that how am i then going to train it right if i'm training somebody uh you know in a change of direction capacity via methods and means and methods where they're not having to make decisions. The research is telling me those kinematically are different skills and, and they're just different skills as a whole. So how should I be training that and then teaching that? So if you were to come, I guess, to give, give listeners a, uh, something that they can visualize, if you were to come and watch most of our agility, an agility session, most of it, is going to be uh, things that we do that require a decision to be made, even early on. Like even when we start up with football and my soccer teams here in January, day number one, there will be at least very simple decisions to be made within the activities that we're doing. So I guess I'll stop there. And if you want to have any like clarification points or follow-ups or uh, additional questions, um, maybe that'd be now would be a good time. Yeah, uh, you know the, you know we we can sit here and talk about it all day till we're blue in the face because I love it. I love <laughs> right. the, I love the, I love the discussion, you know, and the and the debate the debate behind it. But actually, you know, for you guys who are listening, you know, if you're a sport coach or you're a parent who's really interested about this for your child, it's, you know, just go online. You know, like in a wool, I'll post some resources. You know, that you guys can look at online. But when you actually see like this type of training or this type of variation which with quote unquote speed training it's really it's really fascinating and that's you know that was the biggest thing i saw 
when I, when I first really dove into it, I'm like, wow, like, you know, you know, we, we're almost treating it like a McDonald's employee, like, like they're a robot, you know, like we, we're, <clears> you know, we're not trying to, when they're out on the field, they're, they got so many like athletes, a field of court, they got so many different thoughts going through their heads and so many, so many variables with the temperature, the elevation, the time of the day of that athlete got seven hours of sleep. I mean, the, all of these factors go into that one decision if, okay, well, if that, if, should I make a cut on this guy, right or left, you know? And right. th- that's what I mean earlier by the complexity of this is, you know, yeah. really, th- really thinking, yeah. you know, really s- taking a step back, looking inside the box and thinking, well, you know, like, wh- how does this apply to my athletes? However, on the other side of the coin, and this is where we can get into a little bit of debate with it. If I have an athlete who I know can't make a it's not good at pushing in the ground laterally. And what I mean by mm-hmm. good is using their big toe to produce force if they're going rel- mm-hmm. you know, on their right foot, going left, or vice versa, or just yep. good, good, you know, good kinematics when they're doing change of direction. Well, then why would I put them in a chaotic environment when they're, you know, which can maybe put them at a higher risk for injury? But yeah, but what's interesting about it is, and I will, I want you to elaborate on this because I know you're really more into the research is. I've only read one or two articles about it, but their their athlete is essentially not that much in a in a in a, in a high risk environment when doing that. It's just depending upon what you're doing with that athlete. So I'll let you kind of elaborate on that more. Yeah, uh, that's a yeah, that's a great point. Um, so just kind of going back to you know what I was saying earlier about like are they the same skill? So like if you someone exhibits an ability to have good lateral change of direction mechanics when there's not a decision to be made. And when there is the research seems to be supporting the fact that if they can display it without the decision, they may not display it with it. Exactly. Um, so, um, now taking it back to a chaotic environment, my answer to that would be as far as like if someone's thinking, well, then I'm not going to just, I'm not going to put them in a chaotic environment. Right. But the, there's just, there's just, uh, you know, there's a spectrum to the chaos. Uh, like I, if I, again, if we if you guys come day one, if anybody comes day one to agility with us, the overall decisions they need to make are quite simple. Like there's maybe only one decision to make. Or they only have to worry about um, executing one or two like movement patterns. So maybe we are only moving in the frontal plane on day one, week one. So do you or have? Maybe so, they are. So, so sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. So are you saying you kind of have a progression? Okay. You kind of have a progression with it. One hundred percent. Yeah, there's perfect. absolutely still progression it. with it. Yeah, I, I mean, it. but the progression is in terms of conceptually how much chaos many decisions to be made uh it, it can even go from like it's not all that different in my mind from like if we're thinking about acceleration and top speed short to long like mm-hmm. early on it's going to be a few decisions to be made um relatively low chaos but still having a decision in there somewhere and then maybe the overall space they're working with is is small 
and then the next week we might add in more space. So like that will re- that will lend itself to different movement options that they didn't have previously. But maybe we still stay with one cut or one one uh, movement plane like the frontal plane, such as mirroring. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's not that or and then we just add in kind of week to week to week. There's things we, that we add in because. You know, we still have to account for tissue tolerance. We still have to account for the fact that if we're talking about a situation of football or soccer in January, the fact that they just had Christmas break, and even if they trained, it's just a, it's a period of time where um, who knows exactly what they did. Um, and you know that's in pro sport. Like, even in pro sport, you have to account for that kind of stuff All where right. guys don't train year-round. They just don't. So, yeah, there's 100% absolute progression to it. Uh, it's just I think what we are progressing and where we start is, is different. Um, but and, – and I can share this with anybody. Like I'll share it with you, and I think you probably have even seen these before, my, all my, my YouTube videos. Yeah, I have. Like I, have yeah. I have almost every drill or every activity we, I've done, in, in particular football, for the past two to three years. And – it, from the start to the finish, it, it's all chronological, and you can tell and you can see the progression of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess where, as far as teaching movement, I guess the environment in which I teach it is still, like I want my athletes to refine their movement capabilities under conditions more similar to what they're going to face in competition. Um, so yeah, maybe if an athlete was just like totally baby deer falling over all over themselves, or if I felt they were at particular risk for injury, I may pull them out completely from a decision-making scenario. Um, but the end of the day, like I think about, you know, at our level, well, I'm going to get them for seven to eight weeks in their, their like true off season, but then all of my athletes have to go play their sport again in a few weeks. Like right. when once, once spring practice rolls around. So like, okay. Uh, I, I just, that's always in my back of my mind. Like, all right, are they going to be in to your point earlier preparation? Are they going to be, be prepared to all of a sudden get back into their sport where we're not going to be able to control for those variables of, um, maybe getting really intricate on some, some uh, biomechanical, like uh, kinematic variable. Mm-hmm. And this is in particular for field sports. I'm not saying you don't do it in a place like track and field, you know, or right. someone getting ready for a combine. Like I, right now I've got a, I'm training a guy for a, a pro day coming up in the spring. Yeah. We're going to get real technical on his acceleration ability because he has to, it's, it's his new sport. Right? His, right. his new sport is the 40. <laughs> so right. yeah, we will get super duper technical and like, I'll be super, uh, you know, looking very fine detail on stuff. Whereas I might not be with a team sport athlete, especially if it's not within the context of things that are going to be asked to do on the field. Right. Yeah. Well, and the reason why I wanted to go in detail with the progression stuff is when I first learned it, and I love Sean Miska. I think he's 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 way past his time, in my opinion. Um, right. You know, and you know, like when I first heard him talk about it on YouTube, and you know, finally in person, I was like, man, this guy's wacko. 
<laughs> you know, but he uh, and like, I, like, and, like when I when I mean like passes <laughs> when I mean like passes time, I mean like I'm like holy shit. So do I need to yeah, just have my kids run around and play Red Rover for a while, or like what do I need to do? Like, and I was like, well, he's working with NFL guys. I'm working with middle school, high schoolers. It's, you know, I need you know I need to find a difference. And then when I finally sat down, you know, when I finally talked to him about it in person. And he put in, you know, to perspective, just like how you are right now, it's, it, it brought so much clarity to it, you know, and it's just like anything else. And there has to be a progression. There has to be, uh, you know, with, with this stuff, with the strength and all that. And, you know, I just, I can't, yeah. I can't make, I, I can't make that, I can't make that more clear, you know, with this type of stuff. So. And, and to kind of, to your like tag point, um, and this is honestly where this kind of even connects back to like what we were talking about earlier with private side coaches just reaching out and vice versa to the team side or the, the college or high school side. Um, it's just so hard to know what's really happening on based off of Instagram or Twitter or a one minute clip or a five second clip or, a t- you know what, you know what I mean? Like right. it's so hard to know. And I would just encourage people to reach out to you, to me, to Sean, to uh, Michael's Weefoot at uh, BBA. Uh, uh, just reach out. Like, if, you, if you're curious, like, reach out to these people. Ask them for the most, you know, ask them where they're getting, like, their, their overall mindset and where they're getting their um, philosophy from. And then, like, do the work to research that side and even if you don't agree with it because um i think maybe where i would differ from sean just a little bit is you know i i I don't think that there's um well i should just say like maybe my previous comments made it sound like i think there's never a place for something like a pro agility or or anything like that and i i don't know if that's necessarily true because particularly with low training age athletes, if you increase their ability to produce force in certain, um, you know, like frontal plane, for example, and just strictly increase their ability to produce force in a change of direction capacity, that's still going to matter. Right. And maybe there's a, 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 something like a pro agility or a closed drill can teach them that. But my, current stance in my kind of what I would caution people to think about is how much then will that ultimately show up if you get a little bit more chaotic and decision making like it it may not directly transfer Um, so you might need to do both at least or do more of the decision making side yeah definitely another one to put out there is uh, Tommy Flanagan Tommy does a good job of yeah, absolutely. Of yeah. of, of no displaying doubt. it and explaining it, you know, like we went to when we, on the last conference we went out to dinner. Or I went out to dinner with Tommy, and you know, I mean, it just yeah, you know, just asking questions, and he loves it. I mean, he's so passionate about it, um, and you know, that's what I love about him. And uh, you know, he'll explain to you his why, and the, and I think what's really just like any other type of stuff with strike conditioning, obviously there's research behind squatting and there's this re- there's research behind everything we do and 
you know, I want the listeners and people to know like there is research behind this type of philosophy. Uh, so to make sure that, you know, to, yeah. you know, to help back up the why of why it's being done. Um, yes. And that's where yeah. I, and that's where I would just, you know, really encourage people like, yeah, ask you know, where did this base philosophy come from and then do the work to research it for yourself and don't just dismiss. Yes. Um, because as you said, <laughs> there's a lot out there and, and, um, I know the guys, so Sean, Mishka and Tyler Yearby and a couple other, and Michael as well, you know, they've, they've just started this emergence, um, company, which is a movement education company. And like, it doesn't take long diving into that material to know that there's, it's deep and it's rich and largely untapped for the most part on the performance side. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if, again, you don't agree with it and, and, and maybe you, you dive into it and you don't implement right away. But do your due diligence to actually dive into it, I guess, is what I would say. Yeah, and, you know, dive into it, but don't think that you have to implement it the way they do or the way you do or, in fact, you know, or anything right away. Like for and, the, and that's one thing, you know, I can admit I did. Like when I went to the first conference, I'm like, that's it. I love this stuff. We're going to do everything exactly how Sean Mishka says we're doing it. And I did it <laughs> for like two or three months. And, you know, I mean, it was good. Like I tested kids, mm-hmm. you know, before and after. We tested verticals and pro agility and stuff and everything. You know, everyone got better. And then I kind of sat back and looked at my program and I'm like, wait a minute. I think I'm getting a little bit too carried away with this. I'm thinking we're playing way too much spike ball. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and stuff like that you know and um yeah you know, that's and that's just kind of part of it i mean you just you learn and play but like now like you know we'll do a lot of mirror drills you know like the um you know michael i like how michael does his hot you know his 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 one-on-one partner stuff where they're you know they're breaking down into a athletic position whether you know they might you know and they're switching up to where they might break down then move right break down and shuffle left i mean it's and the other partner has to mirror and so it doesn't need to be overly complicated it really can just take three to five minutes of like a warm-up or or within a session you know and so uh, but again yeah, it's just, no, like, it's just yeah. like anything that you would learn on the weight room side like you wouldn't dive into like hatfield squats just because you learned about them or read about them or saw them. Like if you've never done something in the weight room, you would slowly work it in or maybe do something to prep exactly. and the benefit of, and the benefit of like someone taking the time to dig into the research themselves is they will come to their own conclusions. And that's what I think those, those emergence guys do a pretty amazing job of is the, the, letting people do that and not necessarily telling them this is exactly what I do. And because it is important that you, as you pointed out earlier, it is important that you do what's best in your situation. Definitely. And you, you really can't like you, Grayson, like you wouldn't be able to do what I do to a T you don't have my athletes. You don't, you know, you, you, you're who you have is starting out at a different, different point in time. Um, same with Sean, same with Tyler, same with Michaels. And so like, it is important that people do come up with their what's best in their situations. And like, to your great point, you don't have to do it the exact same way. And it probably isn't appropriate that you do. Exactly. And that's, yeah. Um, and, and, and I don't want, and I know we're kind of 
talking about other programs and stuff, and I'm not trying, and I don't want to knock other programs, especially high schools or private side guys who are doing what they do, uh, you know, with their speed stuff or how they communicate or prepare their athletes for performance or the next level, but it's just, to me, it's just another tool in the toolbox to have for coaches, so. Yeah, trust me, like, (laughs) high school coaches, if you're listening, high school strength coaches in particular, or, like, all high school coaches, but, man, God bless you, because I've seen my colleagues on the high school side that are, like, in different areas coaching 200 athletes at once. I'm just like, what? And there's and there's alive? some really good ones. There's some I, I I have some colleagues that are great high school strength coaches. I mean they know they know they have sound programs, you know. And that like you yeah. said, they're dealing. They got 200 kids, but again, there's some and you know, it's like holy cow! Like you guys, like how, like what? How you guys what? <laughs> you know. And like at the end of the day, like they they're gonna do what is best with what is best for their situation. And 100%. yeah, like like you said, like the goal is not to. Um, put any any one program or, or type of training down. Like I just, where again, where I came out of this is where it started. Is just like I'm just I looked into the research, I read it, I, I dug into it, and I'm like, huh, this is what I'm finding. So um, I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna see where this goes. And full transparency, like we don't do a ton of the traditional combine tests, particularly for football, because in my six now five and a half six or five and a half years I've had one guy do a pro day and so I know that you can say well how do you know if you guys are getting better well um it just comes it honestly has come down to a time issue of just like okay I've got 40 minutes total per week to do speed and agility both linearly and multi-directionally I just have to make a decision on where I spend my time and um yeah oh go ahead I was gonna say or you can look at Northwestern College's uh football's uh, season record the past ten years since you've been there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that could that, yeah that could be you know but like I would say you know yeah yeah this stuff like that you know you, you talk to coaches you talk to position coaches um that stuff matters too but uh, yeah that's just if people you know my philosophy is just stemmed from that and um. I, I've been very fortunate and lucky that I've been able and given the autonomy to run with it. That's awesome. Yeah, because there's so many coaches who don't get that opportunity. So it seems like you've kind of taken yep. it and just ran with it. I did, for sure. Cool. So we're kind of wrapping up on an hour here. Uh, Corey, where can people find you on uh, on the interweb? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all social media outlets. If you just search Corey Van Wyke, uh, you'll find me. Um you know, everyone is always welcome to reach out via any of those mediums and uh, I'll, I'll share my YouTube channels. And again, if you shoot, search YouTube, Corey Van Wyke, there's probably not too many of me out there. You'll, you'll find me. And then all of, all of those videos that I mentioned um, are in, in addition to a couple nutrition videos that I've put up on my YouTube channel. Uh, it's all available for free. So just check it out, reach out. Uh, I'd love to chat. That's awesome. And uh quick side note, Corey has the best biceps in the in the industry, so <laughs> <laughs> if anybody wants, this is a real thing. And I don't that's not true by the way, but I do have <laughs> I do have a, a workout that my athletes do every, you know, once a year or so, a couple times a year, called Coach Corey's Guns of Glory. 
you're interested, shoot me an email. I'll, I'll be more than happy to share that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> cool. All right, brother. Appreciate it. Everybody else, have a great rest of your okay. week. Take care. All right. Thanks, man.